The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. And really, this should be a night of celebration for Royals Nation as they move to 5-2 and two on this homestand after completely whacking around all-star Chris Archer in the 9-7 KC win. But instead, we're worried sick after the Alex Gordon injury in the top of the fourth inning as it's Davo on your dish right here on Clubhouse Conversation where we're going to get right to Gordo here in about 45 seconds. We're going to talk about what this injury potentially means for this Royals team, both in the near future and the long-term future, and we'll also preview tomorrow. But let's start with our player of the game. It's Alcides Escobar tonight. I wanted to give uh, Esky a player of the game yesterday when Gordo got it in Game 2 and Paulo in Game 1, so I had to give it to him tonight. Four hits for Escobar and two walks combined yesterday, and right back at it tonight. Four for five with two runs scored tonight for Alcides out of that leadoff spot. And we're going to get more to him in the offense and the pitching. But but then now let's go to Gordo here. Uh, as you know by now, I'm sure you've seen the video. You watch the game live. He crumpled on the warning track in the top of the fourth inning going back. So let's recap. 2-2 count. Guthrie on the mound. Alex going back uh, off the bat of Logan Forsyth. Missed the ball by maybe six inches. Ball barely was out of his reach. Right after that ball went out of the reach of Gordo, right there in the first step of the warning track, you see kind of his legs give out and him falling down and going into the fence. And it was kind of eerily reminiscent briefly to that game against Cleveland back on July 4th of 2013 on the Jason Kipnis inside the park home run when Alex had the concussion. You know, kind of the same play, but this time it wasn't Alex's head. Which on one hand is good because you never want a head injury. On the other hand, that was something that Alex was able to come back from fairly quickly, and this may not be. But uh, either way, it's a horrible situation. So, I mean, before Alex even hits the wall, his groin gives out as they find out. Nick Kenny, Ned Yost run out there, pretty much the entire Royals infield out there as well. And you just knew it was probably a big deal. Uh, I mean, I never wanted to speculate personally because I don't think that's right to speculate on someone's injury like that and to think worst case. I like to think positive. I like to not jump to conclusions. And at first, many Royals fans did. Much of Royals Nation did. Thinking it could be a season-ending knee or ACL or whatever. Some injury, some sort of tear, some sort of break. We thought that at first. And then, briefly, Royals Nation takes a collective sigh of relief. We find out it's a strained groin. You're thinking, wow, this might be a 15-day DL thing and and Gordo might be back right after the All-Star break. But then after the game, Ned Yost and the presser says he's not terribly optimistic that this could be a type of injury that is months. They're doing the MRI tonight, should know more tomorrow. This could be something that is a month-plus injury to Alex. So that's not good knowing that we're two and a half, three months away from October. So what does this mean? Well, first of all, a few things. Number one, we need to wait till tomorrow to see what you know, is completely diagnosed for Gordon, what the prognosis and outlook is. Well, we'll wait till tomorrow for that. So we don't want to speculate too much, but let's just assume uh, two scenarios. Let's assume Alex is out short term, because I think this is pretty much guaranteed to at least be a 15-day DL thing. I don't think that's speculating. I think that's pretty much fact at this point. So let's assume first case scenario, it's a 15-day DL thing for Alex. Well, in that situation, what you obviously do is the outfield of Dyson slash Orlando probably platooning in left field, Kane in center, and Rios in right. That's a short-term solution right there where you can get by with that for three or four weeks if you need to. But let's say Alex is out more than six weeks. Going into September, or God forbid, longer. Then what? 
Well, at that point, obviously, the Royals have to go outside of the organization. They have to go get Ben Zobrist. They have to go get Carlos Gomez. So on and so forth. Somebody like that. They need an established major league outfielder with some pop in his bat who can play some defense as well and run the bases, who's athletic, who fits in with the team mold. And that's if Gordon's out for a long period of time. They might have done that anyways with a healthy Gordon, knowing what the struggles of Alex Rios in right field. I don't know. But obviously that becomes a slam dunk if and only if this is a long-term thing. And and repeating, we're not going to speculate too much. We're going over both scenarios here. So at that point, what you would do, obviously, if it's a long-term thing, is you platoon in right field, I think. You go with Dyson in Orlando or Rios if he begins hitting in the next three weeks. Still have some hope for Rios. My, my hopes have diminished a bit over the last 10 days just based on uh, a couple of lackluster defensive plays, some base running mistakes, some overly not impressive at bats. But I'm not giving up on Rios yet. I mean, I think he gets to the all-star break, or excuse me, to the uh, trade deadline either way. Maybe longer. Hopefully longer, because that means he's producing. But either way, what that would mean long-term is you go get a guy to play left, you have Kane in center, and then you have Dice in Orlando platooning in right, or you have Rios out there. I don't see any immediate guys who can come up within the organization in the middle of a pennant race and start uh, in that outfield. You know, Nice guys. Brett Eibner having a huge year in Omaha. There's been some rumors tonight that Whit Merrifield, who can play all over the field, could be coming up. And that would be cool. I love Whit Merrifield, one of the most underrated players in the Royals system. He'd have to be added to the 40-man roster, but I suppose there'd be a ways to do that. But we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll hope for the best tomorrow, and, and we'll just, I guess, plan accordingly. One thing's for sure, the Royals need to get greedy. Keep racking up these wins. Royals now tie their high watermark, 16 over 500. Keep racking up these wins. Got to keep getting them because you have very few off days in the second half and injuries like this happen. So ride out the hot streaks, especially when you're playing at home. So let's get back to the game now because there's a lot of good things that happened tonight. Mainly how the Royals just completely laid the woodshed to Chris Archer. Where do we even start for this? I mean, I guess let's start with Gerard Dyson, who came in for Alex Gordon. We'll start with him defensively because, you know, at the point Gordo goes out, I mean, I think the entire stadium, you know, feeling out there to me was just, Everyone's like, uh-oh. You know, everyone's, it's like a morgue out there. Jeremy Guthrie, one of his best friends, is Alex Gordon. I mean, that could have been easy on him. I'm not going to say that's why he struggled. I'm sure he wouldn't say that. I'm sure he'd say it has nothing to do with it. He's not going to make excuses. But it could have. But Gerard Dyson kind of put things back in the right direction for the Royals and, and perhaps saved the game. That was definitely the play of the game. I mean, the Kane home run to get the Royals briefly the lead back in the bottom of the third, straightaway center, taking Archer deep for Kane's seventh of the year. That was play of the game too. Number one to me was the Gerard Dyson play. The looping liner off the bat of John Jaso. Dyson comes in, guns out Brandon Geyer at the plate, turns it into a double play, and the Royals get out of that. Huge. Just down one run of that situation. And of course, then Dyson later, a two-run inside the park home run, the, the, the Royals' first inside the park home run since uh, last September 18th at Detroit when Lorenzo Cain did that off of Justin Verlander. And that, at the time, seemed you know insignificant, kind of icing on the cake. You're thinking, okay, those two runs are nice, but whatever. Game's over. It already was over. Now it's officially over. It ended up being over, but we ended up needing those runs there. In the ninth inning, as, as Joe Blanton allowed three earned runs, Greg Holland allowed some inherited runners to score, but they all three were charged to Blanton. And the Royals, of course, got out of that with the tying runs at second and third. And Grady Sizemore pinch hitting. Yikes. Too close for comfort. Jeremy Guthrie, solid, I thought, in his six innings. Three earned runs allowed. Eight hits, four walks, three Ks. Three of those four walks, of course, came in the first inning when Jeremy walked a couple. Then with two outs, walked another. He had bases loaded, and he got out of that inning. David DeJesus, a shot to right field to Alex Rios. 
And I also want to give a, a guy who no one's going to talk about tonight, I'm sure, probably besides me, is Franklin Morales. Is he the most underrated piece on this roster? You could argue that. Is he the most underrated portion of this bullpen? You could definitely argue that. You hear about Ryan Madsen, as you should, as one of Dayton Moore's biggest coops, one of his biggest discoveries, as Madsen could win Comeback Player of the Year. And, and Madsen's probably, at this point, obviously a more integral part of this bullpen. However, Franklin Morales, a guy that can give you multiple outs out there. The only lefty you have out there right now, he's nails again. Two scoreless innings on one hit. Franklin Morales has been very dependable this year for the Royals. So let's not forget about his work tonight and in other games this year. Also, of course, like I said, Locaine going deep. A five-run, fifth inning for the Royals. Two-run, sixth inning. I just want to repeat this line for Chris Archer a couple of times. This is pretty. This is, this is a blonde... A nine and a half on a scale of one to ten and yoga pants walking on the plaza. That's how pretty this is. Chris Archer, six innings, nine runs, 12 hits, two walks. That means he had a whip of 2.3 tonight against the Royals. Six innings, nine runs, 12 hits, a couple of walks, did strike out six. His ERA jumps a half a run tonight up to 274. And he goes from starting the All-Star game potentially to now probably giving it to Dallas Keuchel, who completely dominated Ned Yost's team head-to-head. Last week, and then you have this adding tonight from Archer. I would think that it probably gives, you know, Keiko for my book, gets the vote now as a starter in the All-Star game. Kendrys Morales, the other Morales, having another great night. Both have been great this year. Two hits, two RBIs, and a run. Just a great night for Casey outside of Gordo. <sighs> Keep winning games. Got to get greedy. We said coming into this homestand, you had to go 6-5. and five. Well, that should be a near given at this point with four games left. The Royals 5-2. and two. You just get one of the next four, you go 6-5. and five. But you almost have to keep extending that now. You almost have to get to seven or eight wins here. I just feel like you got to ride out the momentum right now. And it's impressive the Royals have done this without Mike Moustakis this series. The Royals got down tonight against Chris Archer. Twice. I mean, the Royals have done this. With Lorenzo Cain out two games. They did it without Alex Gordon for a good portion of tonight. Salvador Perez a day off. And by the way, Chesler Cuthbert, let's talk a little bit about him for a second. I told you a couple nights ago here that I was very concerned about him defensively at third base. I was, because I've seen him play about six times at third base over the last couple of years. And the Royals had even moved him to second and first some. Both to make him more versatile, yes, to open up utility as a possibility or other positions since Moose has got third base locked down, but also, I think, because of some concern. The arm has always been there for Cuthbert. The, the footwork wasn't always. I mean, honestly, I thought he had feet of concrete in 2013 when I saw him in Northwest Arkansas at third base. I, mean, I, I think I said it right here. I was shocked to see how good he's become in the last... I, I don't think... I, I hadn't seen him play yet this year in person. Going up to Omaha uh, a couple times this summer. Had not seen him play up until, uh, you know, this year. So it had been two years since I saw him. And boy, as he had leaps and bounds on defense. Give him a ton of credit. And this just continues to be a great season for the Royals minor league system up and down. You, yeah, you've got one or two guys who aren't having the years that are high uh, caliber draft picks that you would have liked. But the majority of guys are producing this year, taking big steps forward. And you have so many guys who are just jumping up from the 20 to 40 range in the prospect list and now pushing their way into the top 20. I can't wait to see and release the top 20 list this winter for the prospects. So tomorrow, let's get greedy and try to get the sweep. Not a must win, obviously, as no game is in July, but a game you really would like to have. 
Nathan Carnes goes the first time the Royals have seen him against Jordano Ventura. Carnes a 3-2-1 ERA. Ventura a 4-6-8. Aaron Brooks will be optioned back before the game to make room there. Uh, Carnes coming off a 10-strikeout game against the Yankees, allowing two runs. Three quality starts in a row. And Ventura, this will be his first start in almost a month. Tomorrow. Does it really seem like it's been that long? I guess it's been three and a half weeks, three weeks. But, man, time flies. Especially when you're having fun as the Royals are overall. So we'll, we'll you know, see what happens with Gordo. We'll not have a dish tomorrow. We'll not be able to watch the game close enough tomorrow. Weekday day games are tough for me with my radio show going on at the same time. It's, it's tough for me to completely get into these games during the, the weekdays and watch them. You know, I follow them and do have them on, but I don't get to see them quite as closely as I would like. So no dish tomorrow, but we'll be back again soon. And, and be looking for an interview, by the way, tomorrow with Matt Strom. Talk to him this morning. One of the nicest kids ever. Pitching for the Wilmington Blue Rocks. If you haven't heard of him, look up his numbers. When I talk about some of the unsung heroes in the system, I talk, you know, Alec Mills, the type of guy. Cody Reed shooting up the list. Uh, you know, Mr. Strom, another one. On and on. Andy Ferguson, on and on and on and on. I could name you about 10. Eric Skoglin, go on and on and on. Look up Matt Strom, though. S-T-R-A-H-M. Look at those numbers and tell me you're not excited. We'll talk to him, learn more about what he throws and all that good stuff coming up here on Clubhouse Conversation. We'll publish that later tonight and also have plenty of great former interviews coming up for you. So thanks for finding us. Follow us on Twitter, uh, at Rails Clubhouse, Clubhouse Conversation on Facebook as well, and of course here on the website, subscribe on iTunes and so much more. Have a great night. Go Royals and hashtag praying for Gordo.